It's time for Love Talks with the lovelies, Kathy, Carrie, and Evelyn. Love talking today with a special guest about blended families this Mother's Day. Thank you, Gavin. This is Evelyn Davison, and you have love ladies. And we're going to be talking today about some important issues, not only for our nation, but for our family. And we just thank you for joining us um, here on uh, the bridge. And uh, we've got some really good things planned for today. And I want to say hello to Miss Carrie. Hello to Miss Kathy. And uh, how are you girls uh, making it today in this time of uh, change? <laughs> well, hi, Miss Evelyn. I, I am just doing great. I You know, this time of change has been very interesting. And I just want to say hello, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. I have my cup of coffee here this morning. I hope you have your cup of coffee um, with our new time slot on Saturday mornings at 8 a.m., I'm doing great. It's so odd not physically hugging you, though, Miss Evelyn. Um, that, over the last five years, has just been a shot in the arm for me each week, uh, getting to see you and um, having your joy just to fill my heart. And so physically not being able to see you has been very strange, but at least I get to commune with you uh, once a week on Love Talk, if not more than that, when we have phone conversations that I'm missing you, for sure. Um, but tomorrow is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day, everyone. And Kathy, hi. Welcome to Love Talk. Hey, it's great being with you, Evelyn and Carrie, and happy Saturday morning, friends, and happy early Mother's Day. Tomorrow is Mother's Day, uh, and we have a great program for you today with a really special guest who's going to pull back the curtain for us on some special moms who face some really unique challenges. Today, we're going to be discussing blended families, and now I'm not talking about families who might feel like the consistency of a, of a morning smoothie after all of these stay-at-home measures we've been under. We're talking about families with children from a previous marriage or relationship that are coming together to make a successful family unit. The challenges involved in blending families together is uh, its a really unique set of challenges, and they can be so exhausting. But we have some good news for you today, friends. God loves families. He created the family, and he will pour out blessings on your family today as you turn to him for direction and help. Evelyn, Carrie, I'm excited to talk with this uh, with you both today, and I'm so excited to talk with our special guest that we have as well. And sharing a few tidbits, when I was a teenager, I was in a special video series on blended families. So um, I've learned a lot over the years and seen some good things and some bad things, and I know that our our guest uh, has has just a tremendous background in this and I'm looking forward to sharing some hope and some ideas and um, kind of leaving this morning together refreshed. That's okay. awesome, Kathy. I, I didn't know that. I I thought I knew um, so Everything. much about you that uh, you, you were in a video series as a teen. That's great. I look forward to hearing more about that. Our our key verse for the day comes from Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. In all my years of love talk, I don't think we've ever done a show on blended families. And so I'm super excited today. I, I have a little bit different experience. I didn't come into a blended family until uh, I was an adult. And so uh, my experience has been a little bit different. So I hope that we can share um, experiences from all all spectrums today because walking into a blended family as an adult uh, can also be rather daunting um, and take some adjustment. Uh, but it's, it's we can all learn something today, that is for sure. Well, Miss Evelyn, what's been going on in your world this week? Oh, whirlwind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, you know, I'm still finding some health issues and uh, that comes and goes, uh, depending on how much I get out and, and do. 
But it's been a wonderful week. Uh, we, the last uh, three months, have been working on a new book, and it's it's come into the point that we've got we're going to the printer. And um, I, you know, when I look at where we are right now uh, in our city, uh, and how we are moving toward uh, unity among pastors and people. I'm excited for my age that, you know, the Lord is showing us this. And, you know, National Day of Prayer this week has been absolutely tremendous. And we've got leaders that just came out of the woodwork, it seemed like, and would change uh, in the major leadership in the Austin area. After I have done that for 37 years, uh, is Jim McGee. And that young man, and he's not young, but he is in... in in his ministry, I think, in this regard, has done a wonderful job. Uh, the governor opened up everything that he could open up. And this coming week, uh, we're going to get to go to the barbershop. <laughs> uh, I, I tell you, mine's hanging out my uh, toenails. <laughs> but uh, it's been a good week. And um, I know that, uh, you know, uh, tomorrow is Mother's Day, and that's always exciting. But it fits in really well today with um, with the, the the message that we feel like the Lord has for us. So, Carrie, what about you? Man, what a great week with National Day of Prayer, I tell you. Um, just blessings upon blessings. So many wonderful events occurred, even though we can't get together in person um, in large groups. Uh, Jim McGee put together a wonderful video series, People Praying for the Seven Centers of, of Power, um, and the Prayer Walk at the Capitol. Just wonderful, wonderful things this week. So uh, just blessings upon blessings as far as that goes. Uh, Mother's Day tomorrow. I'm actually um, going to head out of town today after the show and go surprise my mama. I've been missing her. Oh. Haven't been haven't seen her in eight weeks, which is a long time. And so I'm gonna I'm just going by myself because my family is working, and um, so that's totally fine. I'm excited. Maybe I'll just put her in the car and bring her back to Georgetown oh. with me. I think that's what I'm going to do. Um, but it's been a great week. Uh, kids are plugging away at school. Uh, Kathy, I know your college girl is embarking on her last week of, of finals, her last week of her freshman year. Yes, she had her wrap-up chemistry final on Wednesday and so, you know, Eric and I always do this for her that when she has a really important exam or when it comes time for semester end finals, she tells us when all of her finals are. And then Eric and I pray with her on the morning of the final. And then during that final, Eric and I take turns and pray over wow. her exam. And so it just gives her that sense of confidence and you know, she'll come and tell us, oh, my gosh, Mom, Dad, what did you pray for me? She'll want to know everything we prayed for her because she'll tell us about there was this one math problem, and I had no idea how to attack it. And she's like, I think I actually ended up getting it right. Thank you for praying for me. So it's one of those fun things that we just really enjoy doing for her. So she is really ready to to wrap up this semester. It's been a really good semester, despite how unusual it's been. And Baylor released this week um, all of their checkout procedures for the dorms. And so Eric and I booked tickets back to Texas. So we're going to be with y'all in Texas for 10 days at the end of May, 1st of June. So I'm looking forward to getting in studio with you both. Um, If Governor Abbott um, has opened things up to that extent so that we can have some fun being together doing studio stuff in person. But um, as far as Idaho, Governor Brad Little, uh, he is moving a little bit slowly for the majority of Idahoans, but he is moving ahead. No uh, crazy lockdown measures like we're seeing in some other states. So we're, you know, we're kind of getting back to it a little bit too more too slowly uh, for the likes of some, but we're we're getting there, and I'm happy to see that we're making progress for sure. Excellent, excellent. I know it's just been um, 
some crazy times, but hopefully we, we are on the upswing here. Well, I'd like to go ahead and introduce our special guest today. Um, our regular listeners have know Judge Edna Stout, and we're so blessed to have her back with us today. She, um, she Last year we had her on our show when we were wrapping up uh, God's Women um, in in the world, and we we uh, interviewed Judge Edna Stout. She's just such a a pillar of our community. We love having her back with us. She's a bright light, helping others to live and love their very best. She's been a Williamson County Justice of the Peace Precinct 2 for 26 years. Austin native, she created the first teen court program in Williamson County, where teens learn all about the judicial system and coordinates justice mentoring program for troubled teens. She serves on numerous boards, uh, attends the local cowboy church, has uh, prayer uh, once a month in her uh, chambers there uh, with many people who come together to pray for our city and our state. Judge Edna Stout, welcome to Love Talk. Great having you. Oh, thank you very much. What a beautiful introduction. Thank you. I really appreciate being here. God's grace is good and it's a beautiful day here in Texas. And those of you who don't have a beautiful sunny day, I'm sorry for you, but we have a great day here in Texas, and it's beautiful, and it's really great to be joining the three of you. Well, we're going to be looking backward a little bit uh, so that we can look forward um, uh, to a time with you uh, because things are changing uh, day by day, Edna, and you and I have seen some pretty major changes in our lifetime. Uh, so I, I am really excited about you being with us today, and um uh, it's been a long time since um, uh, we first met, and I don't even rem- I remember when I was on the board of directors for the chamber, uh, Leander Chamber uh, of Commerce. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a luncheon or something, and you sat by me, and I was just utterly <laughs> overwhelmed. I, just, <laughs> I don't know. I, immediately, I just was attracted to you in the ministry, that, not just the ministry, but the job you had. I don't know when that was. Do you that remember? recognition of the Spirit, Evelyn. <laughs> you and I both have that same, that same Spirit of God. We recognize each other, and it has been a blessing to be around you. You're a tremendous mentor for me, and if I ever get discouraged, I just see that you're keeping on chugging like that... Uh, Bunny, that ever red or bunny that ever 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 ready bunny that just keeps on keeps on going. Well, that's who you are. And every time I think I'm getting too old and tired for this, I look at you and go, "No, I can keep going." Because Evelyn sure does. She's got the strength of the Lord behind her, and He just keeps on healing her up. Well, that's sweet. So I'm glad to be a part of it today, and I was glad to meet you years ago. And it's been a tremendous, wonderful walk, and it's not going to stop. It's just going to keep on going. Well, you know, what is a, a Christian walk, Linda? Uh, I'm sorry. Edna, how would, how would you describe that for a professional woman like you? And, and you know, like we've been. It, 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 it's just taking what you know, God. It, you know, you, God has us live up to the measure of whatever we are willing to walk in. He gives us truth as we walk in truth. So when he helps to teach us that we should be encouraging others, praying for others, loving others, acting out what we believe. You know, that's a Christian walk, taking God's word and putting it into action. Uh, we can. He knows our thoughts and our intents, and he knows we want to do a lot of things. But he gets really excited when he sees things actually getting done, like you have done with National Day of Prayer, and taking your belief that God's people need to be praying and making it possible for people to get out there and pray, having prayer walks and conferences and banquets. And all the things that you organize. And when you see people out there excited about Jesus, willing to be in their testimony, we, a lot of people do it in a very small way. They are prayer warriors. A lot of people. How much has. The, on the lines. How much. Uh, Go ahead. Edna has the. Leah has. Has. Um, the area in north of Austin that includes um, the two cities. How much has that changed in in the way that you look at what you God's called you to do? 
I'm not sure which change you're talking about. Which change you're talking about, Ella? Oh, you broke up there. Oh, that's okay. I think we did get pretty Let's just come back and and talk about that a little bit. Gavin is having a little punching problem here. So stay with us for Love Talk. We'll be right back after this, and you hear from some of our good sponsors. And welcome back, friends, to Love Talk. This is Kathy Endebrock. Joining me today is Coach Carrie Brinkater, our beautiful Miss Evelyn Davison, the First Lady of Love, and our incredible guest today, Judge Edna Stout. And we are discussing blended families. Such a great topic uh, for Mother's Day. So many unique challenges that mothers face uh, within a blended family. And, you know, we want all of our families to be successful. And as we were saying, God loves families. He wants your family to be successful, and he has blessings to pour out on your family as you seek him today. So we're going to talk about some of these challenges that we face um, with blended families. And, and we, we have a question for for Judge Stout that uh, we, had, we, we weren't able to cover in the first segment. We wanted to kind of get her experience of what these last few weeks have been like for her. And so, Judge Stout, I have a question for you about what your last few weeks have looked like with with the COVID-19 lockdown were you considered essential or non-essential as a, a county precinct judge how did how did all of this affect the court system well it's interesting that the name essential and non-essential has taken on new meanings with all the COVID virus you would no one seems wants to be considered non-essential but in the actual language and definitions of essential and non-essential, we all of the judiciary was considered essential. Uh, it was necessary for us to keep the, the and maintain the, the stabilization of the crime in our community and make sure that those things that needed to be addressed could be addressed. And the judiciary carries a tremendous amount of authority in trying to work through, you know, multi-faceted uh, situations. And so we found immediately that the court system was protected in order to do that, uh, to keep us prepared and ready to meet the challenge of whatever might come up. So we were all um, put on remote situations to where our lives could be protected, which we were very grateful for. And then we also had our staff put on remote so that, you know, the courtrooms operate to a great degree with the help of many other people besides the judges. So everything was gone to remote. Williamson County had already taken steps to a great degree on previous uh, emergency management programs and emergency management systems activities to try to explain what would happen if we had to be out of our office but yet still maintain the continuity of government. In fact, the entire state had worked on programs under that name of continuity of government so that we could keep the government working in times of uh, stress and like this pandemic. So we all operated. We went from the courtroom into our homes, but we still uh, conducted court. We did that via, you know, the video uh, taping that can be done, the face media. There were so many different ways that we could still have court. We were limited on the kinds of court. We really kept it up with just those things that were essential, things that affected families' safety or the violence issue. A lot of things have been put off. Mm -hmm. I think that is so reassuring, knowing that there's plans in place. I mean, I I don't know. I think Governor Abbott has his act together. And thank you so much for just continuing and and, and uh, to serve, and for your staff for continuing to step up and to serve, and to keep things safe for the rest of us, and to keep that uh, judiciary branch. Um, intact and engaged and and active and Carrie, I know that there's a question that you were that you had as well for a uh, Judge Stout. Yeah, well, Judge Stout's right. The 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 meanings of essential and non-essential have definitely taken on kind of a, a new breadth, right, during this time. And we know that there's one thing God has made essential, and that is the family. According to Pew Research Center, 40 percent of new marriages include at least one person who was previously married. And 20% of weddings feature two people who have been married prior. As Williamson County Judge, you see a little bit of everything, Judge Stout. We know you have a heart for helping families. What special challenges do blended families face that the traditional family does not? You know, I see kids and families in the courtroom on a regular basis. You're right. And I thought about this, and some of the words that the students really put, come forward with when we're dealing with their issues, because, 
if they have issues of not going to school or theft or or, um, dealing in alcohol and drugs, it's usually because there's an underlying problem. And these students use words like lonely, robbed, I'm betrayed, I'm lost. Uh, I don't like. I don't fit in. I'm abandoned. They become isolated. A lot of these students that are coming from blended families, the relationships they have with their original family, and then trying to blend it with a relationship of their new family, and then bouncing back and forth between the two, uh, they sometimes don't fit in. And it's a tremendous challenge for everybody that's involved in that child's life to get them to understand that you had no control over this situation, but now that you're in this situation. You need some help in how to deal with it. And that's what a lot of people don't realize, the challenges of the children. The parents have their challenges, too. But they can immediately find the resources, look for the resources that they need in order to deal with the problems they're having. But the children don't. And I find that the biggest challenge is to keep these children stable, loved, feeling accepted, and help them to know that, you know, whatever happened is not their fault and that they are victims here as far as that whole scenario go. And we just need to help them rise to the occasion. And I want to be sensitive to those people that have blended families because of of death. It's not always because of divorce. A lot of times there's Mm -hmm. been a death of a parent, and they still have those problems, though, sometimes, because the parents of the deceased spouse can also has to be considered. So, yeah, I see a lot of that. The challenges in, in, in the blended family are the relationships amongst the family members. That's usually the number one challenge. I love your compassion there, uh, Judge Edna, because, I mean, you're using words like, you know, we're, we're going to give you some tools. We're going to help you feel accepted. This is not your fault. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that your compassion must come from experience, obviously. And so, Judge Stout, do you come from a blended family? And how is it that you know so much about the challenges that these families face? Well, I myself was raised with my natural parents. I don't come from a blended family, but I inherited a blended family. After my divorce, I married a man whose first wife died of cancer. And so I inherited his children. I had one of my own, and he had four. And we didn't have any children between us, but then we took a grandchild to raise. And so we had several different factors going on with my family, not only just the the grandparents and extended family of the children's mother, but then we had the families of the grandchild and uh, the two people that were involved in that. So we had my granddaughter one time when I was looking at that piece of paper and she was trying to understand who everybody is. We were at a McDonald's and and, um, I wrote on a napkin uh, the the family diagram and she just looked at me and she said, my family's a mess. (laughs) (laughs) On a napkin? (laughs) And I said, that's true. But, you know, when we're talking Christian families and people that know God, that is your best resource. Uh, God has answers for all your dilemmas. And if you will look to the church or look to the to the Internet, there's so many places to look for it. But the blended family problems that I see a great degree, not only my own that I've had to deal with, and but the ones in the courtroom I see is so sad to see a child stand there between two parents and their new mates. And you can see the division. It's so visual. This husband, this father with his new wife, and this mother with her new husband are boyfriends. Sometimes they're not married. And you know that they're looking in the middle like, you know, I don't like my, I don't like my family anymore. I've got all these extra people in my family, and I don't even like them. And you can see how they feel isolated and lonely and like, you know, I don't know what to do with myself because I don't really fit in here. And I really target in on the student, and I try to see what's really going on with you. And I, I find these things. They feel betrayed. They feel lost. And so we, the court system has great resources for that. But that's how come I can see what's going on in these blended families. I see so much of it. We get people involved with these students. And we learn that they're having a tr- struggle fitting in in their new family. And so the old family has become a new family, too, because the spouse that was there, they're either alone or they have new children. They have new lives. They have a new residence. So they have two different things to fit into. And so they're in the middle. That's to a great to see what I see, the blended. That's why I see it. I see it in my courtroom. It's very visual. Well, you know, we see it in our families to the extent that um, from annual celebrations. (laughs) I always think about that. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, Van, I have two boys, and 
we didn't, when the girls came along, uh, you know, a family usually is uh, structured uh, for the woman to make the plans. And and I, we found out very quickly that uh, the girls plan holidays. <laughs> and so those kind of things uh, are different from, you know, marriage or or divorce or even death uh, in that we get a we have an opportunity to choose. And I just was thinking about that. I thought I'd throw that in because, you know, we want to be perfect. God sent Jesus, who is perfect, as our uh, guide, as our power. And it's so hard sometimes, especially if you have a mixture of believers and non-believers. So. It's, it's hard for parents and families to share their children with the other families. It's a big challenge for them to to get along. It's a very it's a rarity and it's a blessing when you see both new families have get have get along to the degree that they don't have that stress there. But that's not yeah. the norm from what I can see. It's it's a blessing when it's there. Mm. Well, Kathy, you gave us a little teaser in the first segment. You said when you were a teenager, you were a part of a video series on blended families. Tell us a little bit about that history there. Yeah, my so when I was about <clears throat> 10 years old, um my parents got a divorce and uh and it was after 15 years of marriage and so my mom absolutely swore she would never ever ever remarry that that was that was it for her. But uh when I was um about 13 it was about 3 years later, she met this most incredible man and he had 3 children. Now she had 5. And, uh, so they got, they got married, uh, a year later when I was 14 and we put this family together, uh, five on her side, three on his side. It, it turned out to be four boys and four girls. So we thought, okay, we have the Brady Bunch beat by, <laughs> for sure. And, um, this is what, what I found to be the biggest factor to make our family successful. Cause, you know, if, if you ask me, which of my brothers or sisters, my real brother or sister, I, I mean, that just makes no sense to me. Everyone is equally my brother and equally my sister. And I think that the difference was that my, um, my new dad embraced all of us as his kiddos. He didn't treat us differently. He didn't, um, hand out privileges differently. He didn't hand out discipline differently. He loved us and he was patient with us and he embraced us. And then mom did the same with, with his kiddos. The, you know, she loved on them and she, uh, you know, she was their, their mom and parented them. And they let all of us kind of come along at, at, um, our own pace. They were really, really patient with us. And, you know, they didn't, nobody told me, oh, you need to call him dad. Or nobody told, you know, my new brothers and sisters, you need to call her mom. It was, it was pretty much like you get to, um, you get to choose when you're, when you're ready, if you're ever ready for something like that. And, um, I, I don't know. It just, it came along really, really well. And one of the things that, that we had to learn and this verse that I love, it comes from James chapter one, 19 and 20. And, um, James actually, you could say he came from a blended family because he had a large family and his oldest brother and he did not share the same father. So this is James, the younger brother of Jesus. And we can see in the Bible that there was some conflict between them for a while because, uh, you know, James just didn't believe that Jesus uh, was doing this ministry and he felt that Jesus had kind of abandoned the family. And um, But years later, uh, James came around and he embraced uh he embraced Christ and he became a huge leader in the church. And so he shared these words with us that have made such a difference for me personally. It says, know this, my beloved brothers. So mm -hmm. James is talking to the family, um, you know, not just his family, but the family of Christ. He says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life God desires. And I think that's what made a huge difference in our family is that mom and dad always said, 
hey, you need to listen and you need to get to know your brothers and sisters because you don't have this long history together. So we have a lot of catching up to do. And they'd always tell us to be patient with each other. Don't jump to conclusions with each other. So they would take us on these long um, summer trips. Every summer we would go away for two weeks in this little cabin together, and we would play games. We would hang out. We would go to hikes, and we'd always talk with each other instead of, you know, hanging out with, uh, you know, maybe those that we were comfortable with. We'd always get to know each other. And it made it made all the difference for us. And I mean, I, I just love my brothers and sisters. I love my mom. I love my dad. My dad actually ended up adopting me. And um, it's it's worked out. God has really blessed our family. And I think it's because mom and dad really put God first and and taught us how to really walk out um, the the things that God asks us to do with one another. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story, Kathy. You guys were um, the multiplied Brady Bunch with um, pulling together eight children. That's an extreme case. And to, man, very, very loving parents. Um, you know, my, my husband comes from a blended family. His mom was actually married three times. Um, and the third marriage, uh, he was from the second marriage, and he never met his biological father. He talked to him one time on a phone and when he was about 10 or 11 years old, and then his biological father passed away. He never never met him. Um, the man that raised him, he calls dad. Um, he adopted my husband as well. Um, and, but after 20, uh, 22 years of marriage, that marriage also ended in divorce. And um, so as adults, my husband, Ashley, and I were faced with his parents getting a divorce. And um, it was traumatic for him um, because that's the only dad he had ever known. He, of course, wanted to protect his mom. He loved his dad. What we came to understand is that that was very dysfunctional marriage all the way around. Um, and his dad ended up remarrying, uh, I don't know, maybe five or six years after the divorce and um, is, is has now been married to that woman for, um, gosh, 15 years now. And um, that's crazy for me to, to think that. And so she's seen our kids grow up, but she had a daughter. And, and so just blending that new stepmom and a new step sister in um, when we were adults was was interesting because we didn't have a lot of time to spend with them to get to know them uh, we weren't in the house with them every single day so it was you know holidays and and special trips you know vacations and things to to get to know them but I tell you it's been a huge blessing a huge blessing um, and my husband you know came to understand that um, his dad uh, was very happy and um, uh, his mom had passed away by this time. And so he's happy for his dad to move on and to have someone to love um, in these years. And we've gained, a, you know, a, a sister that's much younger than us. And she has little kids of her own that have been such a blessing to us for us to have little nieces and nephews run around. And so we've we've looked for the blessings through it all. I know it's, you know, it hasn't always been easy and it was you know, awkward at first. Um, and I know a lot of families go through that, just the awkwardness. And and so, Kathy, you and I, and even Judge Stout, we have kind of these success stories of blended families. Um, I know I've, I've had many players over the years come from blended families. And I remember one young lady in particular, she, she didn't like the holidays. She would say, Coach, I, I just, it's such it's so stressful because I have to split time. Now this is, you know, an 18, 19 year old young woman who's saying that the holidays are stressful because I got to split time with this family, with, you know, real mom and real dad and their new families. And it's just, I feel pulled in so many directions. I don't even feel like I get a break because I'm always afraid I'm going to make someone angry. I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings and so I know that that there's um, that it's hard. You know, Judge Stout, have you seen that in your courtroom? You know, these kids, they just feel pulled in in different directions. And how do you help them through that process? 
We do see that. We see a variety of things. They, that's like it's exactly what you described: is that they feel pull, they don't want to hurt people's feelings, and they either make the attempts or else they just totally pull away. And that's a lot of what I see in the courtroom. As I see the kids just check out, I'm not I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I just don't want to do any of it because it's just too much stress. So I do nothing. But what that is, is is trying to cope in a world where you don't have control over it. And that's where a lot of what we try to distill in the kids with the different programs that we have through Catalyst and through the Mansion Foundation and through uh, individual mentoring. Uh, we have different programs that we try to target in on what's going on with the child and we try to build within them, you know, that God-given potential that they have and get them to understand that greater is he than is in he than these that is in the world. A lot of these kids don't know Christ. And so the first, you know, hope that I have is that through mentoring, through loving them, through showing them that there's a great love here, they catch on to that. And they say, you know, well, what makes you take your volunteer time? You're not getting paid to, to come and talk with me every week. And they get to start asking questions of the people who are doing the program. Why do you do this? Because I want to introduce you to the greatest love at all. But at the same time, we try to build up their confidence in themselves that, that, again, they didn't cause these things to happen, but they, how do you deal with the stuff that comes? How do you learn to slowly speak and to slow to come to anger, just like the scriptures say? How do you learn how to, to shut your mouth when you shouldn't, shouldn't be yelling and just listen and then speak softly? Those are the things that we try to teach them on, how to literally cope with the things in their lives. And I do it through different programs that the volunteer community, the churches, the nonprofits, they've come forward with some great teaching on these students to, to help them be able to. What I told a student one time, I said, you know, you are not defined by the words that that bully says to you. Those words don't define you. You define yourself, what you're going to do. And you have to forgive your, your parents or your grandparents or whoever it is why you're in this situation. Just forgive them. And let's talk about what you're going to do this day forward. Today's a new day. And that's what, how we help them, to get them to don't look behind you. Let's look forward. How are you? You're only going to be here for a short time. I tell these kids, you're just two years away from adulthood. So don't spend these last two years uh, hurting yourself. Let's see how we can improve upon what you have and let's keep going. And that words of encouragement and faith and, and looking forward is what we try to plan in, in the court system because the court system does a great degree when it comes to children as social services. We have to find out what it's going to take to get this child planted in themselves so that they can have the tools they need to go forward, prayerfully with Jesus, if possible. You know, not always possible, not always opportunity, but whenever we can, we do. Judge Stout, I have, a, I have a question for you. Given that tomorrow is Mother's Day, I know moms always, they, they, we, we need wisdom. We, we need wisdom to um, be the best moms that we can be. We have just short of two minutes left in this segment. What is the best advice you can specifically give to the moms uh, in a blended family? Well, I had a lot of things for parents, but moms specifically are responsible for the growth, the food nourishment of their children. They are responsible for that. In today's world, we see children horribly malnourished. We see children that do not eat properly. They do not get the right foods. And if you don't have the right foods, you don't have the right health, you don't have the right mental stability that you need. Mothers are very responsible for that. And to educate themselves, if they don't know what the proper foods are, to take that responsibility and to include your children in that educational process and even include them in cooking to spend more time with them. And it goes without saying that we have to pray daily for our children, pray for them to understand the difference between life and death and to discern those differences. Pray for our children, commit to them to the Lord, because the Lord says he is able and so we have to realize that they belong to him anyway, and we just need to commit them to them every day and pray for our children. That is your best result. But those those practical things of giving them good health and a good education and including yourself in that training process, God says train them, and that responsibility is not up to the local church or the local school. It's up to us that God gave us that responsibility. Well, you know, um, it, Judge Dow, that's interesting. Yeah, I did not expect you to say um, food nourishment for you know your your advice to moms, um, but it is so important because though that nourishment really brings about a healthy mind and a healthy body that allows us 
to be um, quick to listen and slow to speak. And then all, all those other things um, can can hopefully fall into place. Friends, we are uh, here at our break. We hope that you will stay with us through our last segment on blended families with the Judge Edna Stout giving us such great advice for um, for families as they take on this this journey um, that's that many times is just thrust upon these kids um, and we will be back with you at, with the love talk and the love ladies right after this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Love Talk. You have found the Love Ladies. I'm Coach Carrie Brinkater, and of course, we have the First Lady of Love, Miss Evelyn Davison, and the beautiful Kathy Enderbrock, all joining you remotely today, this day before Mother's Day. We've been talking with Judge Edna Stout. She has been uh, in the courtroom now uh, in Williamson County for 26 years, Justice of the Peace Precinct 2. We're so grateful to her and her knowledge, um, her wealth of information. Miss Evelyn, I believe that you had a question for Miss for uh, Judge Edna. Yeah, Edna, um, what, what did you see basically through this time of struggling uh, when it seems like nothing is working to get the family back to the family post with all the things that we've experienced uh, as a result of, um, of, of a disease. Uh, but a disease normally is controllable. And it doesn't appear that, you know, as we guide our children uh, as a parent and maybe even as a child, you know, yourself, if you're listening in that regard, what is it that families can actually do together during a time like this? You know, God tells us that he will deliver us from disease. And if you take that apart a little bit, it's D-I-S, dis-ease, E-A-S-E. And, you know, what we're experiencing in our family is a lot of dis-ease because of the being a blended family. But the Bible tells us an answer for that. And, and, you know, parents need to pray for their children. Name them each one every day and pray for them because I am a believer in God's answers to prayers. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, he says, choose life and have discernment. So teach your children to choose life over death. Teach them the discernment. Pray God, give them the discernment to be able to choose life over death. And in 2 Timothy 1, 12, he says that he is able, to, that we are to commit them to our Lord. So commit your children to Jesus. He is able to save them. He is able to deliver them. And so realize that you need to commit your children to the Lord. Pray along the lines of what the Bible has told you. He says to train them up in the way they should go. Well, pray, Lord, help me to know how to train my children. Help me, Father. I don't know how to be a good parent. So show me how. The Holy Spirit within you knows everything. He knows everything. He knows biology. He knows chemistry. He knows math. He knows how to raise a family. So, Lord, show me in your word how to raise up the family. Study the word and understand that the resource is there for you. Be an example. Let Christ woo through you. Let let others see and let your children see the patience, the love. You know, the fruits of the Spirit are within your life if you have the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, patience, we mentioned patience earlier, that those are the traits in a marriage and in a blended family that you need to be exampling to others. And, you know, make time for your family. Kathy was wonderful in the way her parents spent time together two full weeks every summer. Oh, my gosh, that's even unheard of to a great degree from where I'm standing. You know, I see the, I see the mistakes. I see the problems. I see the, the ones that are not, that are really struggling. And like Kathy's family, there's lots of families out there that are doing great. And I see those, too. And uh, spending time with the family, quality time of actually doing that. And don't rely on the local church to teach your children. Don't rely on even Christian schools to teach your children. You have the responsibility. God gave it to parents to train their children. And so it is our responsibility to do them. And pray for the other family, too. You know, your children, if they're coming from a blended family, have other families to deal with. So don't just pray for your children, but pray for all the people that come into their lives, especially the, quote, other, unquote, family that's in their life. That's important, too. And it's Prayer impo- is extremely important, as Evelyn said. Yeah. 
and and praying for our nation as well because we need leadership that follow the the holy plan that Jesus gave us. Love one another as I have loved you. That's um, true. How how could you speak to the, uh, to them today? And uh, what well, what can we say or do across this well, prayer time? Well, well, we need to pray for our nation every day. Unite seven fourteen is a group that's praying. You know, and and we need to pray for our nation every day, for our, for our leaders, for our presidents, our governors, our mayors, our commissioners. You know, and that's one of the things that we do. That's that is why we have this blessed America is because of the people that are there, and uh, it's necessary to pray. And you know, one of the reasons you pray for these children is because they are our future generation. Mm-hmm. That's why it is so important that we teach children and train children. You know, and I want to speak just briefly to the children. If you're out there, your parents are not perfect. They um, are willing to learn, though, and they're trying to learn. You know, the Bible says that we're fools if we despise wisdom and instruction. So we need to understand that they're trying to teach us, and they are temporary teachers. For all you students who think that, you know, this is never going to end in your life, there will come a point in your life where you will no longer have the beauty of that family, the the rent's paid, the food's paid, the the bed is made. That's going to disappear and you're on your own. So learn from your folks as much as you can and realize that they want to teach you, but they're not perfect. They make mistakes and be willing to forgive them too and just love them because that is your that is your commandment from the Lord to love them and be glad for Jesus who gave you that love. That's how it works. It works. And our new book is right along that line. And as you know, it's Love Talking and Love Walking. We took Jesus off the front cover because we want to direct it toward those that don't know that. Amen. If we stop, if we stop praying for our nation, then it will be taken over. Mm-hmm. All, all facets of our government, like the government, the, the education system, the media, all of those things need praying for. And so I encourage people to get involved in a prayer book. Or Your book, Evelyn, is a great tool for people to pray. If you don't know how to pray, there's all kinds of resources out oh, there yes. for you. And Evelyn's book is an awesome one to learn how to pray for the, our leaders and for those who have authority over us. Thank you. You know, Judge Edna, I love that you mentioned the the verse from Exodus, uh, from actually the Ten Commandments that says, yes. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord has, is giving to you. I mean, that is not only is it one of the central, it's, it's the fifth command meant of God. And so it comes at the very center, that command to honor your father and mother comes at the very center. And I think, it, you know, it has it impacts so much of the other commandments if we're able to have that loving, respectful, honoring relationship with our mother and father. How, when children are looking, I know you said, look, you need to appreciate what your parents are doing for you. Look at some of those benefits and understand that, that they're not perfect and they're still they're still learning. When When kids are taking the standpoint of, you know what, I can do this better on my own. I just want out and um, I'm done with coping. What advice would you give them to help them to step back and take a breath? You know, patience is a big word. Um, children don't can't really see past today. They have a very hard time looking forward. I've said it many times. There is life after high school. And that <laughs> what's happening to you today and the choices you're making today are going to affect what happens to you in the future. In the future, next week, next month, if you drop out of school today, then you're not going to be graduating in May. And so there are choices that you're making. So my advice is to step back, have patience, and and just realize that every choice that you're making today has a consequence, good or bad. And seek help. Seek help from those that you trust, those that you have respect for. If you've lost that communication with your parents, then reach out to another person in your life. It doesn't matter if they're the gardener or the teacher or a preacher. It doesn't matter. Someone who you can bounce your ideas off of, and hopefully they'll be able to say, let's look at this one more time before you decide to do this. Don't quit. Get up and let's try again. Because God doesn't want you to quit. He he is always with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And Jesus wants to be your partner throughout life and to help lead and guide you throughout life. 
And so surrender your life to him and let him help you. And read more, understand him more, and just believe in your heart that he loves you and that you're never alone and that you never have to be alone. You may not feel like you uh, have someone with you, but that's where belief comes in and just trust that he's there. And trust. Well, thank you, Is Judge Stout. I, I tell you what, you're such a blessing to us. How can our listeners find you, Judge Stout, if they if they if they need anything? It's just my name, EdnaStout.com. It's E D N A S T A U D T dot com, and you can uh, put on a question there or a comment on my webpage, and I will get it and I will respond. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. I know there's so many resources that you have access to that you can put in front of families um, Mm -hmm. who need it. And I love your advice, Judge Stout. Just get up and let's try again. And, And friends, another great words of wisdom from Judge Stout. You never have to be alone. I I know that during this time, we, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of things have been exposed for many of us. If we were holding things together, you know, by by a a lick and a promise and some duct tape, um, that duct tape might be unraveling right now. Um, Those things that we were just trying to get through and we were – we were busying ourselves and, and pushing it to the side. Those things have been exposed. But you know what? We don't ever have to be alone. Like Judge Stout said, we have Jesus. Friends, I would encourage you tomorrow to find a place of worship. Some places of worship are opening back up with restrictions. Um but most places of worship are continuing their online services. And I would encourage you to find one that's teaching and preaching the Bible, a local one, one that you can get involved in as soon as all of this, these restrictions are lifted and we can go back to communing together. Friends, we love you so much. Just remember that Jesus loves you. You can always find us on Love Talk Network. You can find us on Facebook and you can call us on the love line at 512 249 Six five three five. We would love to chat with you, and we'd love to send you a Bible and get you started on your faith journey. Friends, for Kathy Enderbrock, Miss Evelyn Davison, Judge Edna Stout, and me, Coach Carrie Brinkater, we will see you next Saturday morning right here on Love Talk.